Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Darren, what are we going to discuss today? Dave, I don't know how you did it, but you managed to book another exciting guest. So I don't know what your secret is. Perhaps you can share that at some point with me, but why don't you introduce your speak your guest, please? Sure. I'm happy to do this, but frankly, just to be candid, I'd rather be lucky than good because if I wasn't lucky, I'd be no good. So I, I was blessed to actually meet uh, our, our guest speaker, uh, Lois, um, two years ago, I'm thinking it was, when she visited my uh, BNI chapter um, from, she was in Minnesota. Did I get that right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. And and so she was out getting warm in San Diego and, uh, you know, we, we got together for a one-to-one. She moved out here. And now, I mean, she's just a powerhouse, uh, has her own podcast, the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast. And we've struck up a professional friendship. And she was gracious enough to accept. So, Lois, you want to uh, – first, we'd like to start with all our guests by asking them a really simple question, which is the name of our podcast is Disarming Persuasion. What does disarming persuasion mean to you? Gosh, um, and I'm glad you you uh, disarmed me with that question. Ha ha, that was supposed to be funny. Um, yes, and I persuaded you to answer it. <laughs> we figured it out. Yeah, and you didn't give me a whole lot of time to think about it, which is even better. Um, the first thing, I always love going with my intuition and my gut. So I'm the first thing that popped in my head was the book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about turning strangers into friends, into customers or referral partners, you know, like you and I, that's to me, disarming persuasion. Yeah. I, I love that definition. And certainly Dale Carnaby, Dale Carnaby. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the cousin, right? <laughs> uh, first sales training I ever went through was, was Dale Carnegie sales advantage and has been a big part of my professional life. Um, so I'm going to toss it to Darren since he doesn't know you as well as I do and, and see if he could pry out of you. What deep, dark secrets? Well, I'm thinking I need to check out the Carnaby sales training first. But, you know, we'll do that at, at another time because I know Carnegie is fantastic. So, Lois, I'm kind of curious. You do have a background in sales. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to know kind of your transition from from what you did before to sales to podcasting. I'm very intrigued with how that uh has gone about? Wow. It's a, it's a, we don't have enough time, but I'm going to give you the cliff notes version. Um, because I got into sales right out of college. I went to college for broadcast journalism and I thought I was going to be a roving reporter for ESPN. And, um, the time out for one second, just, we now have a record. This is two broadcast journalists in a row (laughs) we've had on this podcast. So keep, we got to keep this up. And I went to school for broadcast journalism as well. So I wanted to be a sportscaster as well. And I actually worked with the Celtics radio station that uh, I produced the pre and the post game show when they were good in the 80s. So you, I'm, you're speaking my language. I, now I'm even more intrigued. 
<laughs> well, I, I share that too, because it, it's sort of, um, you know, I, I, I did a detour, right? So after I got into the industry, it was, it, for me, in my experience, it was very toxic, uh, very low pay, glorified desk job. I, did, I just twiddled my thumbs and I'm like, I'm, I'm meant for more than this. And so as it goes, I landed in sales. And I landed in real estate and I found very quickly that I, and I didn't, I didn't know anything about real estate. Okay. But I got to six figures working part-time. I, I ended up going to the Star Tribune in Minneapolis, working in the sports department nights and weekends. So I made six figures in real estate working mornings part-time, like maybe 20 hours a week. And I was like, Ooh, if I can do that, what else can I do? So bye-bye newspaper job. <laughs> Even though it was fun going to twins games and, uh, you know, I, I, I just enjoyed my first listing actually was a Minnesota Viking. So there you go. I made up for it. And I went on and I, I just decided I wanted to be, you know, multimillionaire, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Something happened that changed again, you know, best laid plans of mice and men in this case, Lois, I ended up losing everything in the recession, the great recession. And it was at that time, I actually thought about why am I not a professional speaker and a sales trainer? Okay. And um, I, I went through some major trauma when I lost everything. I was homeless. I had my car repossessed the day before my 30th birthday instead of that expectation, right? I was going to be a millionaire, right? And so I really had to sit and reflect. And at that time, I had this fork in the road and I chose motherhood. I chose fitness. I chose still selling for other people um, instead of leading with Lois and going in that direction. So I, I share that story because it was a huge turning point in my life. And I realized, you know, 2019, actually, when I met Dave and I was still selling for another company, I was like, I'm not really happy. Like, what's going on here? And then I hired a coach who, oh, by the way, I hired him through a podcast episode that I listened to. And it's like, oh, I like this guy. Wow. Huh. Maybe I should have that podcast I've been thinking about for so many years that I was terrified to start. Right. Because again, for me, I was afraid to speak my truth. I was afraid to lead with Lois. I was all of these limiting beliefs, right. That life can hand you when you go through major, you know, turbulence. And it was so cool how last year in 2020, I was launching my sales training career officially for real this time took me, you know, selling a bunch of other, you know, industries and realizing I made great money in every industry. It didn't matter what I was selling because I created my own, you know, formula. And so I was blindsided by the pandemic, to be quite honest with you. And I was like, oh, crap, I don't know how to sell online. I'm a face to face, belly to belly gal, right? Always going back, getting the story, right? Wanting to meet people face to face and shake hands and kiss babies and grab business cards and throw it in my CRM database and follow up. And it's like, what am I going to do? And my coach is like, Lois, duh, launch a podcast. And so I was like, oh, maybe, maybe what if? And it was for me, probably not for you guys, but I was terrified, but it helped me catapult my sales training career. My, you know, had my first landing pages, my my first email campaigns and all of the things. And sure enough, um, it actually helped me go to the next level. And I'm, I'm so grateful. And that's really the, again, Cliff Notes version of my journey as a sales trainer and turned podcaster. Wow. What a, what a powerful story. And that's Cliff Notes. I mean, the, the full version has got to be war and peace, right? <laughs> 
was going to say, there's, don't worry, there's going to be a book at some point in time, but uh, yeah, not quite there yet. Yeah, no worries. But I, it really is a great story. And there's some really powerful lessons there. What, what I got from that, frankly, was you, you're now working in your passion. You've been passionate about sales. And so the passion, I think, was your success. But now it's you and you're even more passionate about selling yourself. And that's that's leading to your success. You mentioned some challenges, and, and the purpose of our podcast for our listeners out here is to help them understand how they can position themselves to be more persuasive, thus the name, and how they can, uh, without being manipulative, be more impactful, because we're all trying to to uh, transform our clients in one form or another, whether it's through better leadership or better sales, which is helping their products, et cetera. You're faced now, as many of us are, but you were faced with a new product in a new paradigm through, it's still face-to-face selling because we're looking face-to-face, but it's two-dimensional face-to-face selling. It's not belly-to-belly, which I love that term. Tell me about what was your biggest lesson learned and how, what advice could you give so that people can be more persuasive in their uh, approach? Gosh, I think, you know, the the biggest question that I ask myself is, what if I started an email campaign? What if I started a podcast? You know, what if I, you know, shared my story? You know, because so many people were hurting in 2020 and still are, right? You know, what if I focused on what I call permission-based marketing and, and sales where you're just connecting with people, you know, John C. Maxwell had that book. Many people, you know, communicate, few connect. And I feel there are people who think sales is a swear word and they're like, oh, pushy sales, used car salesman. There was even a commercial, the Super Bowl commercial about the used car salesman. Did you see it? Um, he he tied up the guy in almost like a straight jacket and a chair and he had uh, jumper cables or whatever they were. And he was like, he was like, all right, which car do you want? <laughs> You know, and I really had a wake up call last year recognizing how am I going to connect with people so that you can ask yourself questions. The brain loves questions because then it can answer them and you don't have to talk to yourself. Talk to a good coach, you know, like these guys. Um, But, you know, what if I started a podcast? What if I could communicate my message through a Facebook group or or whatever methodology? You know, what kind of story can you weave that could pour into someone and shine a light and and give them hope and encouragement and inspiration to me that's about as persuasive as it as it can get is when you're connecting with a heart and the head with other people who you know just be a human being really you know it's funny i tell um I do a lot of speaking like you do and someone said to me what happens when people hit on you in networking events and I said, hmm, that happens uh, never. But if it did, if it did, I would simply try to sell them a mortgage. You know, uh-huh. I've got a five-year, I got a 15, got, you know, got arm, got fixed, right? Because we have such a perception of salespeople and we can clear a room. We tell people we're in sales. I totally respect that. And, and I love when you say sales is not a four-letter word because a lot of people think it is, but truly a really bad cuss word, right? So I appreciate that. Knowing that you have a passion for sales, I have a passion for sales, what advice might you give someone that's listening today that wants to get into sales or is not sure how to share their passion 
in a sales approach? I'm just curious your perspective on that. Well, if they've ever been in sales, I mean, that's technically, right, I'm going to play devil's advocate. We all are as kids. Mommy, mommy, I want the ice cream, uh, you know, uh, and then you have the dentist bill later when you always say yes to them. Um, you, you are selling yourself to get out of bed every morning and have that cup of coffee, right? So helping, you know, shift that paradigm because, as you guys probably know, your results are a reflection of your thoughts, even if they're so underneath into that subconscious it's gonna show up you're not gonna make that oh i'm not a salesperson oh guess what i can almost guarantee your income right you're probably not doing so well you have a cap on that so that's that's just one like quick thing um kind of a soapbox i could go on to get out of the way but even reading a good book uh like start with why and and asking yourself why am i here you know what are my skills you know maybe write down your top 10 things like to be honest with you that's what I did two years ago I'm like okay I want to go out and be a sales trainer you know what are my unique values what are my uh, you know beliefs and you know what am I going to share with the world how am I different you know and put that down on paper and you know probably work with a coach right to help you self-discover the best path because the only thing that is painful about sales is you can be and i think zig ziglar said it uh wandering generality or something like that um where you're just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall and just trying to figure it out so in fact i wish i would have had that kind of thought process 20 years ago is start with why and write down all the things you're passionate about and what could you speak on that You didn't care if you didn't get paid for it. You could speak on it forever. Success leaves clues. So your passion leaves clues. I think of those kinds of questions and that book would be a great place to start. What a great answer. And, you know, this ties in. You mentioned Dale Carnegie earlier. And if you're listening, you can't see, but hold up this little cube here. This is the the golden book, which is uh, it's really easy to read in this little tiny cube with little tiny writing that my 60 year old eyes can't really make out. But I was hoping to see because Dale Carnegie once said this little known secret to sales is passion. And I'm paraphrasing because I can't find the quote in there. And uh, you and I both came through uh, the BNI at one point where, you know, uh, Dr. Meisner is fond of saying, you know, specific is terrific. Um, and, and work in your flame or a couple of his quotes, the work in your flame is a big one. And I, I absolutely agree. The, the more narrow focus we can be about who we serve and what we serve and why we serve it. I love Simon Sinek. Start with why it's, it's, it's you know, up there with uh, Leaders Eat Last as, as up, you know, favorite Simon Sinek books. But if we know that, that passion sells, even if we have no sales skill whatsoever. A hundred percent. So one of the things that I talk about all the time is integrity, which I, I define differently than most. Um, because most people think of integrity as honesty, just as synonym. I'm curious what, because you're really, in in my world, you're talking about integrity, being your authentic self. Mm. What does it mean to you? Gosh, you guys are making me work today. (laughs) You thought this was going to be a piece of cake, but we're, 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 I listened to your podcast. And by the way, we should probably tell our listeners, your podcast is the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast right available on all the major podcasts spotify I, I, you know give your commercial and then we'll get back to my 
Yeah, get, thanks for giving me some stall time. So so actually, I believe it or not, spoiler alert, I'm not on all of the platforms yet. And this is a tip for you guys or whoever wants to start a podcast out there. I started with video because I, I my broadcast journalism background, right? I love seeing people, right? So, and I do a live show and it's live stream and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So uh, healthy and wealthy and wise, you can look, just go to iTunes. I'm on iHeartRadio. You can also go and subscribe to my YouTube channel, look for Lois Kofi. I don't think there's too many more of me out there. Um, and then of course, if you get on my email list, um, healthyandwealthyandwise.com or, or go to loiskofi.com, it shows all of my guests, past, present, and future and uh, until I get rid of all of the videos, um, I, I'm not allowed on things like Spotify and stuff like that. Ah, okay. So now that you've had time to think, <laughs> what does integrity mean to you? You know, it's it's kind of, I want to share what I used to think it means, because I think a lot of people think, and I'm not saying that this was right or wrong, okay? I just want to preface with that. But I used to think it meant, you know, just doing the right thing or, you know, um, you know, living by example. Um, But for me, that was almost part of my trauma when I, when I came out of the recession is I always wanted to be the good girl. And that's, that's a limiting belief, believe it or not. Um, I would say now for me, and we could, that could be, I don't want to go on a whole tangent on that, but um, I really woke me up to just being authentic and being real and admitting my mistakes and being humble. Uh, To me, that's what integrity is. Yeah, and, and I like that. I, obviously, being the good girl would prevent you from admitting your mistakes. And and one of my mentors in life always says, um, if you want to be valuable, be vulnerable. Who said that, Darren? Oh, that's a good one. I don't, I don't know, but that person must be incredibly insightful with great intelligence and intellect. So... <laughs> I don't know. I could take a guess. I probably would be wrong, but that might be some person named Darren Cecil, not Darren Michael Cecil, my son, but Darren Cecil. Yeah, otherwise known as Keck. Right, exactly. So, Another podcast, yes. Yes, yes. So Dar- Darren has said that several times, and it just sits sits with me uh, all the time. Yeah, we because salespeople, you know, oftentimes we were, I think, at least I was programmed and felt like it was pretty pervasive, no matter what sales team I was a part of, is you got to fake it till you make it. Don't, you know, never let them see you sweat and no pain, no gain and and push, you know, in, in a lot of aspects instead of just sitting back and being honest, the more honest and vulnerable you can be. Like I've cried on my podcast, you know, I've, I've admitted my mistakes and said, oh man, guys, I'm failing forward, progress over perfection. And people need that now more than ever because everyone is going through some kind of stuff and it makes you way more relatable. And, and it's easier to build a, a tribe when you're authentic and real because you want to attract people who are attracted to your true self. The one thing that uh, that I share with my clients is um, not everybody's a client. Not everybody's a customer. There's prospects and you have to do some qualifying. And if you don't tell people authentically that they're not a good fit, you're looking out for your best interest. If you share with them that you're looking that I might tell you no, because I don't think you might be a good fit. You're looking out for your clients and prospects best interests. And to me, that seems very authentic and that's operating in integrity. Does that make sense in, in your from your perspective? Oh, 100 percent. I'll be honest. And, and this is kind of a throwback to BNI too. specific is terrific. You can't help everyone. 
and anyone, right? Uh, it's not fair. And I even had to drill down as a coach, you know, really get clear on who is my dream customer? You know, who can I serve and who could I refer to, you know, to Dave, right? Because we, I refer our people to other coaches all the time because I'm like, you know what? you really need to work with my subconscious coach friend, Jenny, because I've got the tools you could sell and make a lot of money. Uh, however, those, those beliefs need to go. <laughs> so yeah. go talk to Jenny. So I, I've been a great referral partner. In fact, I talked to another coach today and right away, and this is what I call scarcity mindset. Um, I said, Hey, maybe we could partner and maybe do some kind of referrals and, and uh, that kind of thing. And he's like, well, I don't see how that works because you do what I do. And I was like, great, awesome. You just told me I don't need to waste my time with any further conversation because there's more than enough for all of us. And I, I love what you said. That's 100% true. Well, and self-selection is a good thing, is it not? 100%, right. Yeah. Yeah. That coach self-selected saying, you know what? You just made it easy for me. I totally agree. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't have to, all the time in the world anyway, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's all perfect. But I always like to say, if there's a way I can refer to someone yeah. and have a team and be a, a gatekeeper, like when I was in real estate, I loved saying, Hey, what do you need? Okay. I'll find that person. I'll put them in my tool belt for you. And anytime you need something come to me because I care authentically about you, even if you don't hire me and that's just good karma right there. Being a resource and a gateway to helping serve others is what I love about, you know, being a business owner for myself. I definitely agree. Thank it's you. funny. We talked about this in another podcast as well, where I mentioned uh, Miracle on 34th Street. And there's that scene where uh, Chris, Chris Kringle, of course, the store Santa Claus, who is the real Santa Claus, sends uh, somebody to, uh, he works for, I believe he works at Gimbel's and he sends them to Macy's. And, uh, you know, his boss got real upset because they're competitors, but then they got all that positive publicity and, you know, the, right. So that's, that's a 1950s movie, Miracle on 34th Street. But we understood back then when we serve others, right. And uh, I believe what is the cast, uh, your bread upon the waters, it will come back tenfold. Right. And that's really what we're talking about here. Um, and, and all the time. So, so leadership sales, which is really two sides of the same coin, it, it needs to be outward focused. And, and I think you really embody that. Um, the other thing, though, and I love your insight on this, is I, when you're talking about the self-selecting um, coach who had that scarcity mindset, and I'd love you to come back to an abundance mindset because I think that's a better place to be. But that was also in play was um, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, where we want to surround ourselves by the people we want to be like. And clearly, he was not a member of your tribe. Yeah. And to be honest with you, and this is just how I, I was also using it as a little bit of a, a, a bait hook, if you will, because I think he was trying to sell me on him. So that was where I was like, gotcha. <laughs> so it was it was all fun. I, I, I do know in, in this world that there's and that's what I, I coach on is permission based messaging and marketing and sales it's so easy just to throw stuff out there on social and say, buy for me, buy for me, or, Hey, I'm, you know, Mr. Wonderful. You should, you know, hire me or add me as your friend or connection. And you could waste a lot of time adding every single person. So yeah, it's helpful to have that self-selection process so that you 
don't let one, you know, sneak in the back door, so to speak. Yeah. And if you do, right, just call the herd, which is what we need to do all the time. But if, speak to us about how our listeners, because again, sales leadership doesn't matter. You know, in sales, obviously, when we're desperate, you know, to me, it reminds me of the days when, when I was dating, you know, 30 years ago. And the, the other side can all, and this is male, female, doesn't matter. You can always smell the desperation, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it just is a stink, the stench that comes off terrible. The same is true in sales and the same is true in leadership. And so I see leaders all the time who are afraid to hold people accountable because they don't want to lose the person. Because even though they're a big drain in one area, maybe they're producers in another. And so they're like, I can't afford to get rid of them when, in fact, they can't afford to keep them. Right. How do you recommend people um, inculcate an abundance mindset so that they don't feel afraid to get rid of the dead wood? Oh, man. Well, part of it goes down to, you know, daily habits. And if it's just like when I was, I coached marathoners for 14 years. It was like my part-time fun running coach Lois. That's actually where coach Lois started. (laughs) That was my nickname for a really long time. And uh, it's about those daily habits. So you can't train for a marathon on one day a week. It's, it's not a sprint, right? So with your business, if you, and I call them power hours or lead generation, income producing, daily method operation, whatever works for you and your language, but consistency is not sexy. However, it's necessary to just log those miles every day of finding the leads, nurturing them, good old Jim Rohn, right? The law of sowing and reaping and thinking more like a farmer. And those hunting sales will occasionally fall into your lap. However, you got to have that right long-term relationship, giving value, and then asking for the sale. So it's, it's a combination of all of those things. But if they're consistent every day, going back to think and go rich, faith, belief, desire, and being able to follow up. And have a, a game plan for that too, right? Fortune is in the follow-up. You got to usually touch people five to 12 times. So if if the brain has some logical expectations, it's so much easier to not, you know, be pushy or, or not be desperate and be more of integrity and, and ethical, right? Absolutely. Wow, that's a pretty powerful thing. So as far as in your sales, so do you teach a process or is it, can you share a little bit about the process that you use for our listeners that, uh, that are intrigued? Obviously they would be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if it, if it ever, if it's possible, um, forgive me, Dave, I can't remember if I can give a free giveaway, um, or, or if your if your audience is interested, um, or if you guys are interested, I do have uh, a free course. And it's basically my, my four step, I call it Kofi sales formula, um, on how to, lead it, um, and how to nurture it, uh, follow up protocols and then how to ask for the sale. And so it's, it's, it's not rocket science, but it's, it's a system and a system of course stands for the acronym, save yourself, stress, time, energy, and money. And it's very duplicatable within sales teams. And it's the same system with, with one exception with the online world, having to pivot, 
one of my steps now is building an online audience, building a tribe, creating content that's giving value, building an email list. So that that wasn't there before. But whether I was selling real estate, coaching my real estate team, mortgage team, whether it was network marketing, direct sales, whether it was nutritional products, whether it was fitness, those are all the industries that I hail from. It worked every single time, no matter what. So that's that's my my process about getting into too much of the weeds. Absolutely. All right. Um, you know, as we're, we're wrapping up here, I wonder, just want to give you an opportunity. Do you have any sort of last sage words that you'd like to share with our audience? Oh, I was prepared for this one. <laughs> uh, I, I, I give credit where credit's due. So Jim Rohn inspired one of my favorite quotes. And then I lowest sized it. I added my own little spin on it. Okay. Um, so he would always say, and I always remembered this, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about. If you're a brand new salesperson, you know, discipline your disappointments. Cause I remember those first no's, the rejection, um, working through my own fear of, of abandonment from childhood traumas and all those things, working through that in my twenties, becoming disciplined in experiencing that disappointment, that emotional intelligence, basically, and then I throw on there and never give up. Discipline your disappointments and never give up because we learn from those disappointments. He helps you pivot, right? I pivoted fast last year because I learned from a lot of massive disappointment. Yeah, I think those are great, great words to end on. And uh, thank you for being such a great guest, Lois. It's, uh, I always enjoy talking with you. It's even more fun uh, in this environment. That's awesome. Such a great pleasure to be here, you guys. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Darren. Oh, and thanks, Lois. I learned so much and I, I felt a privilege to hear you speak today and I wish you nothing but success. Thank you. All right. Thanks, folks. Uh, until next time. Bye, Darren. See you, Dave. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.